And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal, the full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show, presented by RIA Advisors. I want to tell you, Danny Ratliff is fired up this morning. I like it. He took his vitamin. <laughs> Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Rosso here with Danny Ratliff. Financial planners. Where? Hey, so um, on the way in this morning, I was telling Brent, it was like Johnny Cash one piece at a time on the side of the road. There was a fuel pump, an engine, a trunk, chrome, bolts, nuts. I could have just collected all those parts and built a car. We must have went in different ways today. <laughs> we had to. But I was like, what is with this one car that just literally just fell apart for like three miles? Spun out, hit the median. Yeah, that's probably that's what happened. all there yeah. was to it. Yeah. Woo, dangerous out there, everybody. Be careful. Well, it's dangerous everywhere. It's the way we live right now. Speaking of dangerous, how about this market, Danny? <laughs> what a terrible segue that was. Yeah, that was a you know, I think a lot of people just, they don't, they can't handle the fact, uh, I, th I think Lance brought this up, is that um, it's been painful because so many people don't want to be involved in the market. There's so much bearish sentiment that uh, it continues to com confound. Uh, and that's what markets do, right? They're there to confuse most, most of us at all times. Well, I think I think we're looking at trying to rationalize exactly what's going on, looking at economic mm -hmm. data and what the Fed's doing, and then you know the bigger picture landscape. I think you know yesterday was was telling though leading economic indicators, which is a very good indication of what's to come, mm -hmm. was down much more than what the the forecast was. So down one point two percent versus forecast of point what was it point five. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's fairly significant. It is. This is the highest we've seen this, or, or excuse me, I guess lowest, lowest. we've seen yep. this since, what, November 2020. Um, now, obviously, much different environment here because we're not shut down. We're not, uh, you know, supply chains are, you know, they're not what they were, but they're getting better. There's improvement. We're more normalization from an economic standpoint. But I think this is something we're going to have to continue to watch. Fed's still going to hike rates. Um, you know, this big pivot everybody's waiting for may not be what they hope or want it to be. It's going to be interesting. But look, earnings have been okay. But as we've discussed, they're crawling over the bar. They're yeah. not, the bar is not set high. No, I mean, we played this, we played this quarter game. Procter & Gamble came out this morning, beat earnings estimates, raises revenue forecasts up about close to 1%. Pre-market, um, and we, we said, Danny, you and I, that this would be a uh, white-collar layoff kind of situation. And Whole Foods announced that they're going to be laying off thousands of uh, executives. Uh, so uh, you're going to see more and more, I think. If, if, you're, if you're working in a Whole Foods, I think your job is fine. If you're working in the corporate uh, vacuum, you're going in a cubicle, you're probably going to, uh, your job is most likely in jeopardy. Uh, this, is, this is called sucking the Oreo cream out of the company, right? You're taking out the middle because um, there's, a, there's a lot of waste there. So a lot of restructuring that's going to go on. So a lot more white collar versus 
you know, the lower income, uh, lower middle income people that are working service jobs because the service sector is still resilient. And when people get paid, they spend their money. And that's the way it's going to be. So to your point, post-pandemic, a lot of these metrics are whacked out. That's our, that's our term here for it. And, um, and the Fed is going to have to continue on their path. Everybody's saying one more and done. But this whole pivot by the summer, anything can happen. And I'm always humble when it comes to markets. But I, I just don't see a pivot by the summer. Because this inflation is a lot more stubborn then people realize, yeah, there's, there's progress, but listen, for the stuff that you need to stay alive, like food and shelter and insurance. I don't know if you all seen your, maybe your automobile and homeowner's insurance. <laughs> you think that's going to go in the opposite? Those, those bills are going to go in the opposite direction? No. You're living in denial. Not the river in Egypt either. Well, the Fed's made it very clear. They'd rather overshoot this than not do enough to fight inflation. Right. And we know that they're on a path to break something. That's the key. I don't see how they stop if inflation is where it is without mm -hmm. having some type of economic turmoil. Absolutely. And that's why we have long-duration bonds. We've pulled off our trading positions. We've built up more cash here as we've gotten more sell signals here. And we're going to wait and see because, again, we have to look at, as we get through earnings season, what's the next catalyst? Um, and... Uh, you know, maybe these companies like Procter & Gamble, I'm interested to read the transcript. Uh, last one that I read previous earnings season was, listen, uh, we're, not, we're, not, we're not going backwards on prices. We're not. Now, we may have a problem increasing prices, but, you know, those, those pre-pandemic prices that you paid are history. You know, I don't know. I mean, look at what Tesla just did. Tesla... Their their gross profit margin was like fifteen percent, or no, excuse me, it's fifteen thousand, mm -hmm. and and now they've had to make a number of cuts. Now, granted, that's a little bit different than the whole broad economy, but he's been on that path to. Um, but their their gross profit is now like six thousand dollars yep. a vehicle, so things get bad enough, you will see companies make changes. They'll take the. They'll, you won't want them to get that bad. Well, they'll literally shrink your Oreos. Oh, of course. You can. Did you hear? Did you see this trend? Of these companies, these food companies that are making mini, mini Twinkies, mini Doritos, and not because it's shrinkflation, which is what I thought it was originally, like when I first read the article, it's just that people want these smaller bites. And I'm like, what's, is, am I going to, am I saving calories if I eat three cans of this? A smaller bite of a Twinkie? Not me. Yeah, they're too. There's probably some psychological impact where people feel better about it and it causes them to eat more. Yeah, they look That's like twink. You know what they look like donut holes? Twinkettes. Yeah, they look like donut holes. Yeah. Huh. So there's this trend now toward the little, you know, the little square Doritos. I mean, the triangles, they're really tiny. And I'm like, I don't understand this trend. I thought it was shrinkflation and it's not. Yeah. Go figure the American consumer. You know, I mean, I, I don't understand it, but they, they're having a tough time, a lot of these consumer goods companies, keeping these products on the shelves. So uh, just another wacky kind of thing. So we got uh, manufacturing. Uh, S&P is flash manufacturing and service PMIs today. Um, we'll see where we go. Um, earnings, obviously, Procter & Gamble, Freeport, McMoran, SLB, HSA, HCA. So we've got a few earnings, but Procter & Gamble is obviously the, um, 
the biggest one. We'll see how how it brings along other consumer goods companies. Obviously, Staples had been in the in the tubes. People haven't really they've they've moved more toward tech. Obviously, this rally has been very narrow in scope. Um, we'll see if it broadens out with this news from um, Procter and Gamble today. Well, and speaking about jobs, continuing jobless claims crept up a, a bit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, average number was what two hundred thousand over the last several months. Got up to about two forty. We're two forty five now. Yeah. We get back to Roth or not to Roth here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. Investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Retirement's not what it used to be, and knowing how health insurance works after you leave your job is vital. Our next Lunch and Learn will tackle transitioning to Medicare Thursday, May 11th, with Danny Ratliff and Richard Rosso. How will Medicare work with the insurance you already have? What are the deadlines you need to know for signing up for Medicare? Register now for our Transitioning to Medicare Lunch and Learn with Ratliff and Rosso at realinvestmentadvice.com, realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. I'll tell you, it's a strange society. Um, So Elon Musk launches his SpaceX rocket yesterday, and, you know, it blows up, doesn't make it. And, you know, for once, I went into the sewer of Twitter, which it's still a sewer. I don't care who owns it. And I've never seen so many people so happy about the fact that he fails. I don't get, in other words, they looked at it as an accomplishment for what they're learning along the way. You have got to respect what Elon Musk has accomplished and where he wants to go and how he thinks. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, but I, I never understand when other people want other people to fail or they're happy when other people fail. I mean, are we that miserable, Danny, as a society that yes. we want other people to fail? Clearly. I mean, didn't, did I read something correctly that his own employees were cheering? Yeah, but I think it was that was different. I think they were cheering because of it got as far as it did. I okay. think from the employees' okay. perspective, they, they were didn't all, have enough confidence it was going to make it that far. Well, you know, there was just a lot of issues with it. I mean, he sort of uh, managed or tempered expectations before it took off, saying, "Listen, I don't know if this is going to work." You know, we're in the experimental phase of things. Yeah. I I wonder how many people wish their ex was up in that rocket. Only you would go there. I went there. I'm kidding. I didn't go there. But I, I, um, I, I just, I don't know. You know, we are losing our ability to innovate in this country. We do not want it. 
nor do we relish it, admire it. We would rather tax it, destroy it, um, wrap regulation around it, make sure it's diverse and equal and inclusive. But celebrating someone's ability to do this kind of stuff. Years ago, I don't remember it, but the moon landing, for example. My grandma, my grandmother, great-grandmother, would wa she watched that, and it made a big impression on her. Like, how like, everybody was proud of these innovations that were made. We don't do that. Um, I don't know. It, it, it discourages me a bit. But listen, you may be discouraged to make a Roth conversion. And there are reasons. Listen, not everybody, as much as Danny and I love Roth, it's not for everybody. Even for people who we deem should get it done. And we put the math behind it. And one of the main reasons is that upfront tax burden can be just too much for people because... You have to win. I, I can listen. The government says, listen, convert as much as you want from a traditional IRA to Roth. You, you know, we love you to do that because you have to pay taxes up front. And when we run our analysis here, we use a specific program to do it. We're looking at the long run impact for the short term pain. And what we find, and I find, Danny, I don't know about you, but people that do Roth conversions sometimes, they want to have the taxes withheld from the IRA. So if we go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to convert 50,000, I'm going to withhold 10 uh, you know, I'm going to withhold, say, 10 grand. I'm only going to move 40. We don't want that. We want to, we want to convert the entire 50,000, especially if we're under 59 and a half, right? But we want to convert the entire fit to 50 to get the maximum impact and pay the taxes from an outside source. So the academically based program we use really shows you bunching up these Roth conversions up front to moderate IRMA charges and, and save taxes through a retirement lifetime. So there's a lot of pain up front. So the upfront tax burden... Now, for some clients I work with, they're like, yeah, you know what? I get it, Rich. I'm going to pay like six figures in taxes now. My IRMA is going to skyrocket for a year. But you just showed me, for me and my wife, we're going to save half a million dollars in taxes, even though in the short term it doesn't look like that. So, But you don't want to drain someone's after-tax money to do Roth conversion. So you might have to moderate it. So paying that, up, that upfront tax burden could be an issue. Well, I think it's difficult for most people to come out of pocket. Nobody likes writing a check to the IRS. Oh, Nobody I even to. hate it more than ever. I mean, I can get, I can get physically sick. Yeah. But, but <laughs> I think the, the point is it's best use of funds. So many people say, well, look, I don't want to come out of pocket with this. I'd rather come out of pocket from the traditional IRA conversion to the Roth. Right. But we want as much money as possible growing in that tax-free manner. And you have to keep in mind there are some specific rules surrounding this. When you create that Roth, you have to let the funds season, quote unquote, for at least five years. So if it's, yes. this is money you're going to use and need quickly, this is not this is not the right thing for you to do either. But how many I, times have you had to compromise with someone to say, listen, we wanted you to convert this amount. But psychologically, they oh, can't yeah. get over the burden of that tax bill. So Often. you so right. So better some than none. 
and you make it work out. And again, this is some uh, source information from um, Ed Slot, who's like one of the IRA kings. And these are things that we tackle every day. Also, qualified charitable distributions are very popular. So people that make, um, you know, they're over 70 and a half, they make the required minimum distributions. You have the ability to take that money, uh, say some people part of their required minimum, all of it, and move it directly to a charity. You got to be real careful how you do it. You just can't take the money out and do it. You have to have it done through your custodian. But that's a highly effective way to gift because you're not going to pay tax on the required minimum. So we actually look at qualified charitable distributions or Roth conversions on two separate roads, depending upon somebody's charitable intent, because conversions can interfere with that charitable giving strategy. So we're actually looking at, do you want to do this or this? Because some people... They're, they're not as charitably inclined or because they have a legacy c- intent or they, they f- have other ways of doing it. So they're not going to use their RMDs. So, you know, th- it could interfere with that strategy. But that has become um, a very popular strategy to do these qualified charitable distributions. Now, keep in mind, you do have to be at RMD age to you do, do so. And you be can RMD only do age, right. up to $100,000 in qualified charitable distributions. But, yeah, great strategy ways for you to pull funds out without you actually paying taxes on it. So if you're charitably inclined, we would typically advise that you pay those or, or you gift out of the IRA versus mm-hmm. just out of the checking account. Yes, absolutely. And a lot of people will do that through uh, charitable funds that are available, um, say through Fidelity or Vanguard. And you have the ability to link these foundation accounts. So you're talking about a donor advised a fund. A donor advised fund, right? Yeah, but that would that would kind of No. Well, I mean, some people do their donations that way. You don't Correct. want to use your qualified charitable distribution, but you have people that have some after tax money and have big gains. They will go ahead and use that uh, that donor advised fund. Yeah, so, so we may be getting off topic a tad bit, but, but expound on Clarify. that just a tad bit. Well, Pre-tax, so I have after-tax money and I have big gains. Like, say, for example, uh, I have clients that have worked for energy companies forever, and they have low cost basis in some of their energy stocks, and it has been a good time for a good period of time for energy stocks. So they may want to gift that money to a charity. So they want to gift their shares. You want to gift those shares into a donor-advised fund. You will get the you will get the actual deduction now. You could take, so I had a client the other day that took about $30,000 of Exxon stock, right, uh, low basis, moved it into their charitable, their donor advised fund at Fidelity. What happens in the donor advised fund, they sell the stock and they allocate that cash into a series of mutual funds. Or the, you can you could actively you, manage it, right. right? You don't have to have them do it, right? But which the deduction most people prefer, right? The deduction though happens at the time of the move, so they would get the deduction for that thirty. But they might not want to. They might not gift those assets, Danny, literally to the charity for not five this year, yeah, yeah, for years. Well, that's called bundling. So we'll actually have people who that's have right. liquidity events. They have, um, you know, they may have a, an appreciation, you know, large capital gain in positions. You move that over. And the intent would be to get that tax break in this year. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when somebody retires, they may have a lot of deferred compensation coming in, uh, RSU restricted stock units that are vesting, things of, of that nature that can increase their overall income. And so right. what you look for in that is that say, okay, well, we give just for easy math, let's say it's $100,000 up front, but we typically give $10,000 a year. 
Um, so you can do a couple things, right? You can forego paying the capital gains on an appreciation uh, of a stock, move that over, or you could even just put cash into it. But you, you're not required to gift it all in that specific year. So you can, right. you can move the funds out to your desired charity over time. And but Danny, you get the tax break for year number one. Right. And Danny, and, and to make and to clarify per your point, when I'm doing a qualified charitable distribution from my IRA, you work with your custodian. That money must go to the charities at that point. You don't do it. Your custodian does it. But uh, you direct them. It's you still your funds. It. You just don't have the use of them any longer Correct. because of the tax break. Yeah, you can't touch it. But again, a lot of the custodians have great ways of of doing this. So then, and again, some prefer waiting for clarity about tax policy before they make a big move to convert to Roth. I'm not a big fan of this only because uh, I just, I don't know. I just have this really strong feeling that taxes aren't going lower. What do you think? Don't get me started today. Okay. <laughs> no. So instead of some may prefer waiting for clarity about tax policy, it really is the Danny Ratliff, don't get me started. So I don't think this is as much of a reason to avoid a Roth conversion. Now, there are some people who think taxes are going lower. Or they're just going to retire. They live under mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah. And well, they wear little gnome hats. Look they're at what's very, happening every day. I, yeah, this there's... Is, they're There's, not going lower. Yeah. There's we're redistributing as much wealth as we can possibly do. Rich. Every day we're coming up ways to redistribute wealth. When we get back, we're going to continue on this. Uh, hey, maybe a Roth conversion isn't for you. To Roth or not to Roth here on Financial Fitness Friday. Ooh, I'm in good voice today. <clears throat> investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com i think we're back so um our next lunch and learn transitioning to medicare so obviously you have health insurance at work you're going to leave your job how does that work there are many mistakes that can come along with that. So we want to make sure Thursday, May 11th at noon, we get, uh, we have a lot of people who either one, don't eat lunch, or two, tell their bosses, hey, I'm on a lunch and learn with Ratliff and Rosso, so go ahead and fire me. Who are you going to replace me with? Nobody wants to work. Because we do have, we usually go over that noontime, but you can register at realinvestmentadvice.com for our free Zoominar. That's always fun. Rich, before you jump in, I'll give you a little bit of levity today. I'm going to make your day. Ooh, please. You know that they found a new form of beaver on the Texas coast. And it's not the Bucky's one. Yeah. Oh, it is? It is. So they discovered an ancient beaver which is actually 30% larger than modern beavers. We and they think. actually named it the Bucky Beaver. Wow. Yeah. 
I don't know. Bucky's makes me happy. I know. That's why I figured yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd throw you a bone today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Some weekends I just go drive to Bucky's. Walk around going. Man, I don't know what about that place makes like. you happy. I don't like being around that many people. I ignore the people. I, I love it there. It's I love a, to see all the great place to watch people. Like, I don't ever want to wear a mask until I go in there. <laughs> I love to see all the new products because they do such a great job selecting like the new foods or yeah. uh, I don't know. Hey, man, listen, I told you some people there's an article in the Wall Street Journal about some people are never going to retire. There's uh, I, I'm working at Bucky's. I'm a wearing my beaver hey, shirt. Hey, good benefits, good pay. Yeah. Do you see what they pay department managers? Yeah. Shoot. I'm telling you. It's good stuff. Mm. It's good stuff. So, um, yeah, well, they should name it the Bucky's Beaver. And you know what's smart about the group that runs that place, that owns it? Uh, it started, I think Bucky's started in the early 80s. They will not go public. Because yeah, they know it would ruin the entire brand. You yeah. wouldn't be able to pay your employees as good as you do. Those bathrooms wouldn't be as clean as they are. The food would drop in quality. They're really smart to understand. Let's not go public. These guys have put good processes in place. You know the moment they sell out, they're going to come in and muck it all uh, up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You're going to go ahead and kill the beaver. Yeah. Because it's going to be politically incorrect. You're going to have to replace it with something else. Platypus. <laughs> <laughs> that just doesn't have the same ring to it. Gee, Wally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we ruin everything. Um, but not Bucky's. It's the last, it's the Alamo of <laughs> stuff we don't ruin. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. All right. So, avoiding Roth conversions. So, you have to be careful on how the succession planning goes for your Roth conversion because um, obviously a lot of people use Roth as legacy asset to leave to their non-spouse, their children, because um, the, the tax burden uh, of a traditional IRA, right? So I, I leave my daughter as beneficiary of, her, of my traditional IRA. She is going to have to withdraw that money over 10 years after the year of my death which can put her in a precarious tax situation if unless she's in a very low tax bracket to begin with, right? So if I have very low incomes in the next generation, that might kill the objective of the Roth conversion. But I don't know about this one either, Danny, because I think that, one, depending on the size of the IRA, I could have a child in a lower tax bracket, but I have to take this money out over 10 years. I could blow them right out into another tax bracket even if they're in a lower bracket. And frankly, tax-free income is tax-free income, and I'll take it all day over paying taxes. So I don't know if this one, if I have to worry about the income with my, of my next generation. I get the point if you're in a very high tax bracket and, and they are potentially not going to be. But look, history shows that the next generation is not typically as astute as as their parents are. Mm -hmm. And generational wealth is very difficult to keep. Yeah. So the problem would be is that if nobody's ever had any money oh. and you give them a lot of money, what typically happens? They don't save it usually. They don't generally. 
put together a great plan. I mean, there are some that do, so don't get me wrong. If you're one of those out there, I, we do see that. But I see time and time again where somebody comes into a significant amount of wealth or anything that may be significant to them, and boom, money's gone. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think that if you, depending on the size of your IRA, since I have to take it out over 10 years, I can easily push my child into the next tax bracket with a traditional IRA. Now, over the yeah. cost of their life expectancy, I understand that, but I just don't, I don't know. I just don't think that as, as much of a hurdle as we may make it out to be. But again, because I just think that everybody's taxes are going up. Um, then there's large anticipated medical bills. That can alter your conversion. Listen, if you're, if you're not in good health and you have a lot of medical bills, it's probably not the smartest thing to do a Roth conversion anyway. But you got to be careful of the uh, medical tax deduction that you can get. Um, and that you might, you, the, the, the cost of doing the conversion may offset the deduction that you're going to get. So if you have some big medical bills, it also may not be a good time for Roth conversion. Actually, if you have big medical bills or about to have big medical bills or ill, I probably would stay as together as possible and not make any big tax moves to begin with. What do you think? Say that again. I'm sorry. I wasn't listening to you. <laughs> he was seen. Hey, with, man, I was, I he, was, he was chatting lost, on YouTube. He was lost in Bucky's. I'm saying if I have a chronic medical condition or I'm about to have a big medical expense, I probably don't want anybody to convert Roth anyway. I'm going to probably keep everybody like, listen, let's not do anything until we get through this process. And also in, including, of course, the fact that I might have some sizable medical deductions I can take that could be offset by a Roth conversion with the taxes I'd have to pay. Uh, yeah. The income that would be generated. Absolutely. You know, typically we want to wait till the end of the year anyways, because once you do that conversion, it is permanent. And yeah. so used to be you could go back and recharacterize it. You can no longer do so. So, mm -hmm. you know, in an instance where you've got a lot going on, you've got health issues, you've got maybe major health issues. I would certainly want to delay that. Yes. And, and try to delay it until, you know, end of third quarter, beginning of fourth quarter, you kind of get a much better understanding as far as what income may or may not be. And I think that's where, um, you know, you're going to be less likely to make a mistake. But like you said, you may have a lot of other bills, expenses. This may not be the time to do it. Exactly. Because I may not, I may, I may need my after tax money for other things. So we, we got to be real careful with that. So I sort of agree with that. Conversion decisions are now permanent now. So you got to remember that if I make a Roth conversion, say I put, I convert $50,000 and stocks drop and that really is 30, I can't recharacterize that anymore. I don't mm -hmm. have the ability to go back and get a do-over. And that changed with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And I, I just, I don't know, for some reason that's not a priority. I don't see that coming back. So when you do this, you do this. Yeah, do it right. <laughs> do it right. Up front. And we've seen people who've just said, hey, just do this number, this this round amount. And you say, okay. Hey, you talk to your CPA. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good. And then they'll call you back in January or, or February and say, hey, we need to undo that. I did too much, and now I have this additional tax here. And, well, can't undo it. Sorry, guys. So make sure that you're – I'd rather you undershoot it than try to thread the needle and get right to that next tax bracket or – wherever it may be, especially, you know, just sometimes you don't account for a specific portion of income. 
Oh, let, um, the, let the market dictate it for you yeah. uh, in some way, right? If, if I go through like a massive correction, I had some clients that, you know, during last year, when stocks were getting beat up, especially some of their tech stocks, we converted that. We converted those, those positions. We kept the positions, actually. We just converted them yeah. into Roth. So, let, so then I'm paying less in taxes. That's someone that did like 100000 uh, in uh, conversion, and they moved tech stocks. And those tech stocks now are worth about 175. So now they're getting the appreciation in the Roth. Well, or, or people who like um, who maybe did longer duration bonds. Yeah, and we had some people who right. did that. And said, "Hey, let's go ahead and move this over because we do believe Correct. there's going to be much appreciation in the future. Let's hold on to it over here." Yes. Yeah. So you also have to work very closely when you do this uh, Roth conversions with your tax advisor. Like we provide the format, the report, the amount of the what you should get, but you need to make sure that our numbers are correct and you need to run this by your tax specialist because especially if you're self-employed uh, and you're a high earner, you could, be, you could have the qualified business income deduction, um, which is a 20% deduction. Um, you know, if you have an S-Corp, you have the ability to take a 20% um, qualified business income deduction subject to certain restrictions. So you can actually sort of destroy this with a Roth conversion, depending on how much income you make. So you got to be real careful of the thresholds so that you don't blow yourself out of the water for this business deduction. Oh, yeah. We have, when we get back, we're going to talk about, well, other stuff. But remember, we just helped you understand to Roth or not to Roth. That is the question. When we get back here, Financial Fitness Friday. daily investment news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com and welcome back to our last segment oh time flies when you're having fun I wish I could hit up Bucky's today, but I can't. There's one or two close by. <laughs> close by is all relative out here. <laughs> yeah, very true. So um, there's going to be additional turmoil in the um, employment market, and you're going to see more layoffs. I mean, it's just inevitable, right? McDonald's, Whole Foods, you know, every company is reassessing their workforce. Unless you're in small business and you you really can't afford to lose anybody, um, and severance packages are common to reduce work, workforces, especially among older workers. So you're going to get an you're going to get a severance package. So you got to remember it's more than a financial decision. There's an emotional element to it, right? You, there's one thing where you can prepare for retirement. You do your plan. 
and then you're suddenly in this situation where retirement or just even a possible dramatic shift in your work life and employment is thrust upon you. So you got to have a really good financial partner to go over these things, go over that package with you with a fine tooth comb and make sure you're maximizing it and also understanding it from a tax perspective, especially when it comes to severance. Right, Danny? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of mistakes can be made in this area because we're, one, it's an emotional period, right? Nobody wants to be let go. And, you know, great. You get a severance package. That's fantastic, right? You give, give yourself some breathing room to find your next job. But I always advise people, don't just make that emotional rash decision. You need to sit down. You need to understand all the ins and outs of what you may or may not get. And then what's the best way to, to move forward? And I think that's the key here. And so, Rich, I mean, what do you see that are common mistakes when, when people are taking a severance package? Um, well, they, they do a few things. They don't know, and, and some of it is they don't really know what to do a lot of times with their um, lump sum or pension decision. That, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a tough decision for those people who do have pension. They, they have an issue with, what do we do? And you got to run the math on that. You got to really understand. Sometimes you're doing a lot of financial planning. Uh, all of a sudden, you're scrambling almost to do a financial plan, Danny, to help understand somebody's situation when they're getting a severance if they haven't done a plan before. As compared to somebody who has already done a plan, and it's easier to go through this process and tweak the numbers as opposed to starting fresh. Yeah. Right. So you got to decide whether you're going to re- you're going to keep your retirement plan, roll it over. You got to decide whether or not you're going to take a lump sum on your pension or not. You got to look at, OK, uh, what about NUA? What about net unrealized appreciation? Do I have company stock? Uh, these are things that you got to really sit with somebody and go through. What kind of health care coverage uh, if I have COBRA and what if I have Medicare? That's a problem. You know, or I'm eligible for Medicare. And am I even eligible for unemployment benefits? I mean, these are questions that have to be answered. And you don't, you know, you've got like this window of time. Yeah. Now, again, on the rollover, you don't know that. But, you know, maybe, you know, I see a lot of issues with people that are not because they don't want the severance. But it's going to blow them out of the water from a tax perspective. And I asked them, listen, can you go back and see maybe you can tax time this, this payment? And sometimes they're amicable to, to that where you can say, hey, give yeah. me part of this here in, in this year, the remainder in the following year, um, stagger this out. It, it's not unheard of, but it is something you need to negotiate up front. Now, one big thing, mm-hmm. and this is going to sound odd to a lot of you out there from a financial advisor, but you don't always want to do that rollover. So if you're under 59 and a half, Correct. you may want to keep those funds inside of the 401k if you're going to truly retire or even a portion of it, right? Mm-hmm. Because then you can avoid that 10% penalty on distributions out of the 401k, but you move it to an IRA, we don't get that luxury. So we can make an argument if you're not going to be working, you don't have income coming in, you're going to need to draw down from a retirement account then leaving some in that 401k can really benefit you and let your funds go that much further for you because you're going to avoid that 10% penalty. Now, you don't avoid taxes, but you do avoid the penalty, and I think that's a crucial mistake that I see a lot of people make, Rich. And then also when it comes to COBRA, 
Um, if you are Medicare age, you do have that window. So yep. if you're over 65 and you're let go, and it feels normal because when you're up from a medical or healthcare insurance, because you're still on basically the employer health plan, but you're not subsidized any longer. You're typically paying for it all now. But the one mistake we see a lot of people make is that they get on the COBRA and their eight-month window start, starts when they're actually let go. Yeah, because they think the COBRA plan, and they think the COBRA plan, Medicare, right? Is the exact same thing. Is, is your employer plan, but it's not. You're ticking down yeah. for your Medigap policies, and you have to make Medicare decisions while uh, before you do that. So I have seen so many people make this decision with COBRA thinking it's their, well, no, it's the same insurance. No, it isn't. Yeah, not 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 the way that the government looks at it. So yeah. make sure you understand that eight-month window. If you are over 65, you've missed your general enrollment period. You're going to go to your special enrollment period, which is that eight-month window. And for every 12 months you delay, there is a permanent 10% penalty on your Medicare premiums. So it's not for a, a year. It's not for a month. It's not for a specific period of time. It is forever. So get that part right. Right. So, you know, again, and when you get that package, it could be very intimidating. Um, sometimes I tell people, listen, you've got a couple of weeks. Don't, oh, I got to look at this right away. Let's just take a day or two. Take our, you know, let's get our, let's get our bearings. We don't want to wait too long, but let's get, get our bearings and then let's go through it. I want you to, you know, understand what to do. I've had clients that have had to do this and they maximize their health savings account contribution. Right, so they have a high deductible medical plan. Um, they don't require the cash for required uh, for living expenses, and they maximize the contributions to their company's health savings account before the severance date. And we and we know Danny loves HSAs, right? Because they're pre-tax, grow tax-deferred, and for qualified expenses can be withdrawn tax-free. So there might be certain plans that you can maximize. Um, when you're ready to take a severance. Uh, and again, this lump sum or pension annuity, that decision is pretty personal. You might have a legacy you wanna leave behind. You may have longevity risk in your family. There's so many variables that go into this lump sum or pension annuity. Obviously, some people just say, listen, I wanna roll the money over, and that's fine. We can eventually craft a pension for you just using life insurance companies. We can, we could do that and we could do, we could be very specific about it because when it comes to guaranteed income, you, you have to understand whether or not you need all this guaranteed income or not. Hey, we love guaranteed income, but we also want to have that plan done first. So I've had people really scramble and do financial plans even before <laughs> I mean, it, it turns out to be we have to make a decision on this severance package and we're running a financial plan at the same time. And that's not really where you want to be. And I will tell you, it just seems that, the, to Danny's point earlier, the Fed is going to break something. And more and more people may be getting one. Matter of fact, don't you talk to a lot of people that go, you know, I think it's coming. I think that severance package, like they have this sixth sense severance. They know that, you know, I think I think I'm going to get a package. And they're usually right. Yeah, and this is an environment where if you're about to retire, I would 
I would ask that if you can hold on for a bit, if you think you're in that position. Yep. And I'm I'm noticing more and more people doing that who are scheduled to retire. And it's funny. I, I talked to a client the other day, and they're actually scheduled to retire, but got the severance package. And man, it made them so mad. But well, just because they're like, I was going out on my own terms. Now I'm not like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is fantastic. How dare you? You're going to get paid for an extra year to do nothing. Yeah. So and you were going to retire anyways. So this is this is like the best case scenario. You just got a gift. Talk about an emotional response, right? No, but and I get it. I, I get I, it. I feel the same it. way, right? I get it. And, and so we kind of laughed about it, and they said, "Yeah, I know, I know." But you know, still, after all that time, I thought I'd just be able to walk out the door with my head held high. I said, "You are. You you won this game, right? You're going to retire anyways. You come out the winner on this. This is this is fantastic." So it is funny the emotional response to that, though, Rich. And um, but. Like you said, if you're in one of those positions where there could potentially, you could see some some cutbacks, I may hold on for a bit and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you got you want you got time for a dad joke? I've always got time for a dad joke. What, so do you what I really it? want to talk about today, we're not going to have time. Yeah, because we don't want to bring this topic up. We we'll tell you guys later, but we can. What do you call a, a uh, an angry carrot? I don't know. A steamed vegetable. Even Brent's going, I can't. I, uh, I, I. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about Bugs Bunny. If I watch Bugs Bunny tomorrow morning like I watch Popeye. Yeah, sometimes I have Popeye on. And I'm going to get a disclaimer about the cartoon. It's going to tick me off. Hey, what did the horse say after it tripped? What? Help, I've fallen and I can't giddy up. Brent's like, I'm glad this this show is over. Yeah, leave the dad jokes to me, bud. Leave the dad jokes. I kid. Good job, Rich. Out the door. Well, we loved you being here today. Hope you got some good information. Lance back on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you.